0: Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration of America. I'm your host, Jerry Ewald, Chief Marketing Officer for Restoration of America. And today we are blessed to connect with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, the Executive Director at the American Constitutional Rights Union, a political commentator and veteran. Well, Alan, it is an absolute honor to have you on the show today.
1: Well, thanks for having me, and I really appreciate it. And when you talk about the, the restoration of our country, of the constitutional republic that I love, uh, that's so important to me.
0: Yeah, we're we're definitely on the same page with that one. And again, we're so we're so honored to have you on the show. But before we begin, uh, I first want to thank you for your well, I'm going to say your past, present. Mm-hmm and future service to this country. And if you wouldn't mind just giving a brief background uh, on your dedication to America and how you became so involved for our audience.
1: Well, I think that's what our family business is in the West family. My dad served this country in World War II, my older brother in Vietnam uh, as a Marine. Everyone has a black sheep of the family. My dad challenged me at the age of 15 to be the first officer in our family. And so I uh, answered that call and that challenge. I was commissioned. Uh, 31 July, 1982 at the University of Tennessee as a field artillery officer and served 22 years. My nephew right now is serving as a Lieutenant Colonel in the United States Army, also field artillery. And my father-in-law, my wife's husband, uh, Master Sergeant Ronald Keith Graham served 24 years in the United States Army. And he is buried at Arlington National Cemetery having done two tours of duty in Vietnam. So that's who we are in our family. We believe in service, sacrifice and commitment to this great nation.
0: Yeah, uh, and it's four four generations. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's
0: a, that's a, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you again so much for what what you have done, and, and then the generations, what your generations have done. So I appreciate it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So let's uh, so let's jump into it. I think you said you were born uh, in Georgia, right? And, yeah. Uh, and, and if I'm not mistaken, actually Atlanta, right? You were in Fayette County.
1: Absolutely. All right.
0: So all over the news today, uh, or recently, I should say. So I would love to get your take on these outlandish usage of the RICO laws that are used against our President President Donald Trump and uh, the indictments that he's seeing right now. What's your take?
1: Well, I always tell people that you can count on evil to overplay his hand. And for them to try to use the racketeering influence and criminal organizations or corrupt organizations uh, act, the RICO Act against a former president's administration, I mean, that's a step too far, especially when you think about the Clinton Global Initiative and the Biden Crime Family Inc. Those are real instances of of RICO violations. But Fannie Willis, for whatever reason, has really bitten off more than she can chew. And the fact that she would include in this indictment uh, former mayor of New York City and former federal U.S. attorney uh, and prosecutor Rudy Giuliani who knows Rico in and out, backward and forward, because he used that in dealing with the mafia. So I think that this is a, an incredible overreach by Fannie Willis, is not going to uh, be successful. and, and, and the, In the long run, I really believe what the left wants to do is just tie up former President Trump with a lot of legal proceedings, going back and forth and things of this nature. I don't think that they could see much of this to, to, to be successful. And when you look at some of the indictments listed there. These are things that the Democrats did after elections of 2004, 2008, 2016, even.
0: Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are pointing to this and saying this is election interference, because, I mean, when you think about the primaries going out right now in the election next year, he's so far ahead in the Republican uh, uh, race right now that this is going to distract him, no doubt. And that seems to be their intention.
1: No, this is absolutely their intention, their goal. And it is to, you know, tomorrow morning after the debate, he'll have to present himself in Fulton County and they're going to force him to have the shot and all of these things. That's what they want to have out there as a picture. That's their campaign ad that they're going to try to run if President Trump is the eventual nominee for the Republican Party in the 2024 election cycle.
0: Now, now, again, you grew up there.
1: Are, are you just
0: shocked that a state like Georgia could be doing something like this?
1: No, I'm not shocked. As a matter of fact, when you understand what the progressive socialist left is doing in red states, they're going in and they're taking over the major urban population centers. And there is nothing uh, greater than the Atlanta, Fulton County area, but then also Augusta, Columbus, Savannah, and uh, also Macon. Uh, And as well as you look here in Texas. They have taken over Dallas, Dallas County, Austin, Texas, which is the capital of Texas, and Travis County, Houston, Harris County, San Antonio, Bear County. So what you see is that these pockets of blue in red states are really the major population centers where you see the greatest amount of failure of leftist policies, and that's going to be their mantra. To flip uh, red states. Look at what they have been able to do in Colorado, Nevada, and even in the state of Washington, where most of that state is red except for King County, which is Seattle-Tacoma area.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's it seems to be moving fast and spreading like a, like a cancer, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, one one of the things that you mentioned what's happening in Fulton County that I think really sticks out. And it it fits really well with the article you wrote called The Tenacious and the Timid uh, Mm -hmm. is they are absolutely tenacious and they're not timid. They're pretty they're very bold on what they're doing. So talk a little bit about that article and what what drove you to write that article.
1: Well, it's very simple. Look at the comparison contrast between when the left is in political power control. Uh, They're totalitarian. They're uh, tyrannical. And even if they're in the minority, they're still tenacious. But the fact that you have Republicans now with all the evidence against Joe Biden for impeachment, first and foremost, you can impeach him on what he has done uh, with our border. Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution clearly states what the federal government is supposed to do in protecting the sovereignty of the United States of America. So that's an impeachable offense, high crime, misdemeanor, treason. But yet uh, we continue to see this recalcitrance and this reticence about, well, you know, we just got to build the case, we got to take it easy, we got to get more evidence. Uh, they impeached Donald Trump not once but twice. First and foremost, on a hoax that was created by Hillary Clinton and her cronies. And then the second time, on a phone call where Donald Trump was trying to get to the bottom of what we now know, the influence of Vice President Biden to have a special prosecutor in Ukraine drop because he was investigating his son's business dealings. So
0: so expand more on this. So talk, talk about... The conservative movement here. So we, we have the tenacious, which seems to be the left, right? They are yeah. they are bold, they're fearless, they're going over the top, and they don't care. And it yeah. would seem that we're a bit more on the timid side, where we're allowing all these things to happen, and, and we we mm-hmm. we're, we're allowing it to happen. So what? How, why is that? And what could what can conservatives do to kind of reverse that?
1: Well, first and foremost, I would say, read the book Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals and understand their mentality and their mindset. Progressive socialist, leftist, Marxist, communists, they're all about instilling fear, coercion, intimidation, threats, and ultimately violence in order to get their way. They believe that the ends justify the means, and the means is by any means necessary. Uh, and what we have to do is, first and foremost, admit that we have a very dedicated uh, political opposition that is in their nature. Uh, this is evil that we're talking about. They don't believe in uh, constitutional rights and individual rights. They believe in their ideological rights. And so you have to do as a uh, former state senator of California wrote a book, H.L. Richardson wrote a book called Confrontational Politics. You got to be really to, willing to confront them and meet them on the battlefield. You have to go on offense and not play defense all, the, all of the time and uh, call them out in every way, shape, form, or fashion. But again, you have to take the narrative. You have to seize the initiative. Or Carpe Diem, seize the opportunity, seize the day. And I think that's what we uh, fail to do on our side. We're always playing catch-up. Like I said, we're always playing defense against them.
0: Yeah, you, you threw in the Latin proverb in your article, your know, fortune favors mm-hmm. the bold. Uh, yes. And you know, it really got me thinking, too, because right? I, I, as a conservative Christian myself, I think a lot about how do we get the church more engaged and more bold what's yeah. going on. And, and again, it, it just it reminds me of the story uh, in, in Joshua, right? When, when uh, God mm-hmm. told Joshua and the Israelites to go over, go into the land of Canaan, take it, it's yours. And oh, by the way, you're going to be fighting some giants along the way. Yeah. Uh, and he told them, be strong and courageous. Do yes. not be frightened or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I really think that Christians need to remember that and, and really stand up, because now is the time uh, to be tenacious and not timid, as you put it.
1: No, you're absolutely right. And furthermore, you go to the uh, New Testament in Romans uh, 12, chapter two, uh, ch- uh, chapter 12, verse 2, where it says that we are supposed to, not supposed to conform to the world, but we're supposed to transform it through the renewing of our minds. And so when you're out there and you look at a lot of these churches, uh, I think there's a great book out there now called Woke Jesus, uh how they're trying to massage and shape Christianity uh into uh mainstream society and that does not work when you see rainbow flags and these weird transgender flags on churches and things of this nature right. you're supposed to stand upon the word and it says uh, no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn mm-hmm. that's Isaiah 5417 so i don't understand why we have these you know cowardly pastors they won't stand up and and think about how the very first thing during COVID, what was it that the government wanted to shut down? Wasn't Lowe's? Wasn't Home Depot? McDonald's? Or even marijuana, you know, uh, distributors? Or, or even stop abortion? They wanted to close down the churches, and we cannot allow that to happen again.
0: That's that, you're right on with that, and it's it's no surprise that socialism has invaded the church as well. So mm-hmm. the church needs to wake up and see what's going on before it's too late.
1: Yes. No, you're absolutely right. And, and Karl Marx, you know, was he hated religion. He hated Christianity. He hated God, Jesus, all of these things. Uh, he called it the opiate of the masses. And so the very basic understanding of socialism as an economic model is secular humanism.
0: Us. That's that's right. So let's let's shift gears a little bit. You've spent a lot of time at the border, and yeah. you've witnessed the invasion of illegal immigrants, the wave, all right, the, the surging the border. You saw it firsthand, and then you've also noted how law enforcement is not allowed to do their job mm-hmm. in enforcing the border. And then and then this is this is the kicker, right? So now that we have uh, in Illinois, we have a governor, uh, JB Pritzker, who is now allowing illegal immigrants to become. Police officers, right? So, the irony in that. So, speak a little bit about that.
1: Well, I think that's the most ludicrous thing I ever heard. You're going to have people that have come here illegally, and you're going to give them the authority to be able to arrest the illegal um, American citizens. And so first and foremost, I think that you're gonna find there will be a lot of constitutional sheriffs out there that will not take part or will not allow that to happen, will not go along with that. But you're also setting yourself up for a, a whole bunch of lawsuits in that how can you have someone that you can't even vet, you don't even know their background and you're gonna make them a law enforcement officer when their very act of being in the United States of America was breaking the law. So, and, and so I don't get it. And, and I think this is, once again, shows the overreach of the evil of the progressive socialist left. Uh, and this is a very trying time because if they would rather have people here illegally as law enforcement officers instead of American citizens, uh, and they want to disarm American citizens, but yet they want to arm illegals to uh, have legal power over us, that's a power to care.
0: I mean, you can't even make this stuff up. That's why I wanted to get yeah. your take on it because it seems so absurd, but yet it's happening.
1: Yeah, it, it is, and and I think that's the thing that we have to come to understand is that these people have no bounds. They have no limitations. They are only focused on one thing, and that is power. And and again, it comes back to us, you know, being, you know, not being timid, but you know, starting to to be bold and to step forward because if we don't. They're going to continue to, to do what they're doing. This is this is very Pavlovian. Uh, because if you continue to reward this type of bad behavior you're just going to get more of this
0: speaking of rewarding bad behavior let's talk a little bit about social credit right that's the exact same mm-hmm. thing this is this is rewarding how you feel about the government and your place in society and if if the government doesn't like that me maybe you're conservative maybe you're a Christian whatever it is or doesn't uh, they can cancel you or make it very difficult uh, for you to buy sell uh, even gain employment or travel and that's what the social credit yeah. system does Is And we see that in China already today, but we're at the beginnings of that in America. Can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing?
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, you don't have to go too far. Look to the north where you had those truckers that were out there, uh, you know, protesting about the COVID shutdowns and mandates and things of this nature. And what did Justin Trudeau and Canada do? They froze their bank accounts. And so we're not that far away. You already have the corporate equity index, which is being pushed by the human rights campaign. Uh, If you don't know who they are, you should look them up as a uh, Soros backed organization. We have this environmental, social governance uh, thing that is going on. And a lot of our investment funds are used towards pushing the, uh, the climate change religion and the ideological left's agenda. And so it's gonna to get to be the point where people are gonna have their purchases tracked. As a matter of fact, there was a, a goal to try to see, you know people going out and purchasing firearms. They wanted to have that recorded. Why would you want to know about, you know, Alan West purchasing firearms for one whole reason? Uh, and so, yes, all of a sudden, banks and things of the States are going to say that we don't want to do business with you. And when you combine it with this uh, centralized banking digital currency, the next thing you know, you're going to go to a grocery store. You're going to go to someone to conduct a purchase and you're going to see that your account has been frozen because why? You're a Christian constitutional conservative. You're not going along with the ideological agenda of the left. So this is not about unity uh, and and that speech that Biden gave in his inauguration. This is about conformity. This is about subjugation. This is about subservience. And they are laying out exactly what they believe that you as the model citizen should do. And if you don't do it, we're going to cancel you or we're going to have an illegal immigrant arrest you.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. That's exactly what would happen. And and people need, going back to the theme of what we were talking about, people need to wake up to what's going on Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what's happening right now. So when people go out and say, why would Bud Light make a decision that goes against their entire uh, consumer base, that that Mm -hmm. alienated them and turned them off? The answer is the social credit system. It's CEI, the the Corporate Equity Index. Because when they do that, they get better scores, and they get better investments from banks and things like that. There's a whole system set up to reward that type of behavior and to condition you, as the consumer, uh, to do what they want.
1: Or look at Target. The exact same thing happened with Target. So yes, uh, these businesses and corporations are more so concerned about the 1 to 2% of the leftist ideological agenda and their crowd, the LGBTQ plus IA alphabet soup mafia, than being concerned about us as the everyday consumer and citizen. So you have to start looking and seeing, you know, where else? Will you see this happening? So I think the conservatives need to wake up. They need to look up this uh, corporate equity index and see, you know, which companies are involved in that. You know, I, I love running. Uh, that's one of my big things. And and I run with Brooks shoes and I got this long email and everything about how they are, you know, so involved in their carbon footprint and all of this stuff. And I don't care about that crap. Just make good running shoes, okay? Uh, stop. <laughs> so abusing. my knee and back
0: doesn't hurt when I run. Exactly. Yeah. So
1: yeah, absolutely, that's what I'm concerned about. But yes, they are cowtowing to this false god from the left.
0: No, they are. And, and look, I, I really appreciate all the work that you've done to expose this and then comment on this. Right? I mean, you've been fo- you've been bold and fearless and all this stuff. What can conservatives do? How do they get more? Uh, engaged in in what's going on and put an end to all this madness? What can we do?
1: Well, I think first and foremost, you have to be better informed, better educated, and therefore you can be better activated. And one of the things that we're doing at the American Constitutional Rights Union, we have started what we call Live Free Local. Uh, Too often, conservatives have not paid attention to the local level of governance being at your city council, school boards, county commissions. And we want to get people uh, focused there at those grassroots levels. Uh, Because guess what? I've always said that the most important elected position in the United States of America is school board. And I think we have come Mm -hmm. to understand why. Uh, When you have this this state control of our children, that's what the left is pushing. We don't uh, have on our children. They're not ours. They belong to them and everybody else. Uh, We're not going to tell parents about... Uh, gender mutilation and dysphoria and things of this nature. We're just going to allow the kids to be able to do it. And if the parents intervene, we're going to take the kids away. We've got to stand up at the local level. So I think it's so important that we start to get engaged. There poll watchers, poll workers, all of these things that so we can keep an eye on the electoral process.
0: Well, and that's going to be my last question for you. How do we make sure that we have fair and transparent, ele- uh, transparent elections coming up in 2024?
1: Well, I think it's so important that people understand that the level of governance that uh, executes or creates the processes and procedures for elections in the United States of America is the county level. And that's why county commissions are so important. Uh, And if you go back and look at the 2020 uh, presidential electoral map broken down by county, there's a lot of red counties out there. So I think we can start getting in the right type of ordinances and the right type of uh, processes and procedures. We're not going to do, you know, mail-in ballots. We're not going to have illegals voting in our respective counties. and We can codify that so that the left cannot come in and manipulate things in our respective counties. We can isolate them only to the blue counties where they do have some prominence, but we can still be very vigilant and resolute even there. No, no, that's...
0: Uh, I, I think you're right on with that. Our, our very own Gina Swoboda, I know you you spent mm. a lot of time with her. Uh, yeah. She's fearless in, in that battle as well. So, um, Well, um, Alan, I, I just, again, I want to thank you uh, for your, your boldness, your courage, and, and may God continue to bless you on your journey in the battle ahead. So thank you so much.
1: It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I look forward to the next time.
0: All right. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget that by working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slam. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting First Right to 30161. That's First Right all caps, one word, to 30161.